we often look to the Bible for heroes. We find people whose lives we'd love to emulate, but for whatever reason, we feel like we'll never measure up. We don't have the faith of Abraham, the courage of David, or the wisdom of Moses, the passion of Paul, or the imagination of John. But Barnabas? He is one of us. We can be just like Barnabas. How do you know? What validates it for you? Uh, have you noticed how many times we'll have a commercial, and at the end of the commercial, it will say something like, uh, this product has received the good housekeeping seal of approval. Or these foods are certified by some non-GMO, non-taste good facility somewhere. It has to be healthy. Anything that tastes that bad has got to be healthy for you. Uh, every car, it seems, that is being sold has, has a, uh, won some award. The J.D. Power uh, service raid or happiness raid or every car out there has won some kind of award. How do you know? What validates it? Who do you check, Consumers Report, uh, your favorite PC magazine or, or Apple magazine to find out what the next gadget you will buy with, and does it rate with some blogger's approval? How do you know? That has been an, an ancient question for the church. How do we know? How do we know someone's had an authentic experience with Jesus Christ and how can we be sure that it's not just an emotional response or worse, it's not someone faking a conversion to rip off the church. How do we know if something is for real? The early church had the same question. And their answer? Send Barnabas. So we find out in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the per persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Oh, 
Like Barnabas, we pray we have the wisdom and the spiritual discernment to know where you're working. And like Barnabas, we pray we have the courage to get there. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I tell you all the time, nothing messes up a church any faster than when Jesus starts saving the wrong people. <laughs> all of us have a list of people who can be saved. All of us have a list of people who are going to burn in hell. Now, don't look at me like I'm the only one who has that list. I will just know. We're fine as long as Jesus saves those people that we believe can be saved. But when he starts saving people off that going to burn in hell list, we're messed up. We don't know what to do with the grace that will not stay where it is supposed to be. And that's what happened in Antioch. It wasn't bad when it first started. Uh, the church in Jerusalem was undergoing persecution. Stephen had preached. That, preached uh, that, that sermon was so good, people began to stand up and throw rocks right in the middle of it. You know you are preaching when they won't let you finish. They killed Stephen and then turned on the early church. So vicious was that persecution that many of the early Christians left Jerusalem and went to nearby cities. They went to cities where they could find jobs. They went to cities where they had family. And a lot of them ended up in Antioch. There was a very strong Jewish community in Antioch. A lot of them ended up there. And as they went, they told the story of Jesus, and they told it only to other Jews. Jesus was a Jewish Messiah. He fulfilled the promises of, of God to the Jews. He fulfilled the Jewish prophecies. And so they kept the message to the Jews, and that was fine. Nobody said anything. But then some people came from Cyprus and Cyrene, outsiders who didn't get the memo, and preached to everybody. And some of those everybodies that got preached to, some of them got saved. Now what do you do? Jesus is saving the wrong people. Well, they sent Barnabas. Why did they send Barnabas? One, Barnabas was a good man. Do you remember when Jesus met Nathaniel? And Jesus said, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. That's Barnabas. Barnabas is a man of, of pure motive. What you see is what you get. What he says is what he means. And if you ask him today, he'll give you an answer. You come back and ask him tomorrow, he'll give you the same answer. Uh, there, there was no ulterior motive with him, no underlying meaning. Barnabas was just Barnabas. And when you saw him, you saw all there was to see him. He was good. He was full of the Spirit. You know, it's one of the, full, uh, one of the few times that somebody is introduced as being full of the Spirit. Most of the time, what you hear is, and so-and-so being filled with the Spirit stepped up and began to teach. And so-and-so being filled with the Spirit stepped up and began to lead. Not Barnabas. He was full. He didn't leak. Okay? Now, again, he's a good man. He doesn't leak. What happens to most of us is we'll have that momentary inspiration, that momentary empowerment of God, and we will do well in that moment. And then we will become distracted by something or someone. Uh, we will be filled with the Spirit, and then we'll get on the interstate and lose our temper at the guy who cuts us off. And we leak, right? 
or somebody disappoints you at work, or you see something about a politician on the television that distracts you, and you leak. And instead of being full, you need to be filled again. That's most of us. We leak, not Barnabas. Barnabas was full. That's why they sent him. He was a good man. He was full of the Spirit. He was full of faith. He was able to believe that God could do anything. And he was from Cyprus. The church in Jerusalem looked at Barnabas and said, listen, it's your friends that are causing all this problem. They're from Cyprus. You're from Cyprus. After all, Cyprus is just a little bit country. I'm sure you know them. It's the same way when you tell somebody you're from Nashville and somebody says, hey, do you know so-and-so? <laughs> They're from Cyprus, Barnabas. They're your people. Go up there and fix this thing. And he goes up there. And he never comes back. He stays in Antioch. We're going to talk more about his ministry in Antioch in the weeks ahead. But he never comes back. He finds out what God is doing, and he gets there, and he stays there. He becomes part of the work. Now, what is it that Barnabas saw? What is it that we look for? We're told that if somebody has an authentic experience with Jesus Christ, they will have the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, all of these things are the markers of someone who is walking with Jesus Christ. That is true. What is the problem with fruit? It takes so long. It's the last thing that happens. The tree has to be planted. The tree has to grow. The tree has to be nourished. The tree has to uh, leave, you know, put out leaves. The leaves have to go through their transition to become the fruit. It takes a long time for the work of the Spirit to transform us into the character of Christ. So what is it that Barnabas saw? You know what the first sign of an authentic experience with Jesus is? Evangelism. Evangelism. Here's what happens. Somebody who is messed up, somebody who is going through something, somebody who is broken, someone who is hurting, encounters the living, risen Christ, and they have their life changed. What's the first thing they think of? I've got to go tell my friends. I've got to go find those losers I was running around with and tell them what Jesus has done to my life. The early ministry of Jesus changed because people who were healed, people who would find it, would go find their friends. And they found so many friends that Jesus couldn't even come into towns anymore. He had to stay in the country so that all of the people, all of the crowds could have room to get to him. He would swamp a little village. He would overrun a town with all the people who were coming after him to see him, to find him. The first thing that happens when your life is changed by Jesus Christ is you cannot wait to find your lost friends and tell them what's happened to you. The first thing that happens, the first thing we see, what Barnabas saw was evangelism. Somebody got saved, heard the message, went and got their friends who brought them back. They got saved, they went and got their friends, and a lot of people were added to the Lord. 
Now, here's the issue for most of us. It's not a matter of training, is it? We can give you the questions to answer. We can tell you how to respond to common objections. We can help you think through that. It's not that we don't know how to say it. It's that we have nothing to say. It's not a matter of more training, is it? It's a matter of having that encounter for ourselves to be changed. Barnabas recognized it because it is what had happened to him, what he saw lined up with what he had seen Jesus do in his own life. And so Barnabas recognize what God is doing. Henry Blackaby had a, had a Bible study uh, a long time ago that a lot of us went through, and one of the, one of the key t- uh, statements in it was, God is always working. And the job of the believer, the calling of the believer, the privilege of the believer is to discern where God is working around you and get there and be part of it. Whatever God's doing. So, if you were Barnabas, and we all kind of are, where is God working around you? Now, you can't say he's not working because the foundational truth of Jesus is he's always looking for the lost sheep. He's always searching for the hurting. He's always working. Where is he working around you? Who are those people that you can see the Spirit is dealing with? How fast can you get there? And what will you be called on to do when you're there? Now, we talk a lot about spiritual gifts. And, and some, some of us have, have kind of taken that to be, well, I have my spiritual gift. I have my one gift. This is what I do. This is who I am. And we think that we are a one-trick pony. Uh, uh, that we're, we're, we're the, the, the pitcher who has one pitch. That's all we can do, but we do it really well. But this is all we do. The problem with that is you're going to be in some situations where your gift is not what's needed. Another gift is is needed. So here's what happened. He'll either use your gift or he will give you another gift. Happens all the time. Let Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul was a lousy writer. How do we know? Have you read him? Okay. He did not like to write. He would rather preach. He wanted that energy. He wanted that, uh, that face-to-face encounter. And the only way Jesus could get him to write was to chain him to a wall. Okay? He writes all the churches. I would love to come to you, but I have been hindered. What's hindering you? This chain attached to the wall. So he writes a letter. But he writes just like he talks. You ever known anybody that writes just like they talk? And so you go to class, and they'll say, outline a letter of Paul. And you'll drive yourself nuts trying to outline, because he doesn't think that way. Think about his letters. Uh, I I, I long to come to you. I want to be there, but I can't. But every time I think about you, I just praise God. But I want to to tell you what's going on. While I've been in jail, I I have preached to every guard who's come by here. 
a lot of them have become Christians because I love to preach and I love to have that opportunity. Why? Well, because the world is messed up and broken. We know since the fall how things have gone and how Jesus came and fixed that. And isn't it incredible what Jesus did for us? Slow down, Paul. We're trying to stay with you, right? That's what he does. It's fascinating to watch the way he jumps around. That wasn't a gift. That was what was needed. And sometimes you're going to be put in a situation where you may not have the gift, but you'll be given what is needed. So where's God working around you? How fast can you get there? This series of sermons, as we talk about the person of Paul, uh, Barnabas and go through his character, one of the things that we're asking you to look through is this card about finding a place uh, to deepen your discipleship, to find a place where you can be engaged in the ministry, and, and to work on how you will support and engage these ministries through our giving and through our tithing. We're asking all of you to get, get, get through this. And you'll find on the end of the pews there somewhere near you, if you'll pass that out, yeah, I gave it to you last week and the week before, and we'll give it to you next week too. <clears throat> so it's going to be falling out of your Bible and in your car. You're going to be seeing this thing everywhere you go because I want you to see it and I want you to think about it and I want you to pray about it and I want you to respond to it. Because all of us have this next step to be part of the 100 churches, to be part of uh, Project Connect, to be part of 500,000 gospel conversations. And we'll get there. It's a long journey, sure. But we'll get there one step at a time. And so what Barnabas was able to do was recognize where God was working, get in there and encourage it. So where God, where is God working in your life, around you, and how fast can you get there? We're going to give you a few moments to start praying about that as the deacons now take their places to serve you the Lord's Supper. It's the way the Lord wants us to remember that we belong to Him, that we are part of His family. And has been part of his family. We are loved. We are accepted. And yes, we all have chores to do. So as they bring you the Lord's Supper, use these moments to prepare your, your, your heart for the receiving of his supper. Lord Jesus, as we come now to your table, welcome us in your name, through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection. And we pray this in your name. Amen.